Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is episode number 72 and I'm your host Jonathan Miley. Today we got the chance to sit down with Philip Meyer, the developer of a new game called King Voxel. It is a Zelda-ish game uh, mixed with procedurally generated worlds. Um, really cool stuff. He will explain it much better than I just did in the actual interview. Uh, all that you need to know is that it is currently available on Steam Greenlight for you to upvote and there's also a recently started indie go-go campaign that you can fund. Uh, the links will be in the show notes. Uh, joining us today is Brian Tyler, uh, who will be sitting in with me asking some of the questions. And uh, in lieu of our normal theme music, we actually have some music from the game, and that is a song called Warrior Poet. So just a quick thanks to uh, Philip Meyer for being willing to sit down with us and talk about his game for a fairly lengthy and very entertaining podcast. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. So on with the show. So uh, thanks for being on with us, Philip. Uh, really glad to have you. Um, let's start off with a couple of questions about you. Obviously, we're going to be talking about your game, King Voxel, uh, but let's get to know you a little bit more since this is your project, your baby. Um, do you do this full time uh, or do you have a, a day job that you are you a moonlight video game programmer? <laughs> I. I was for a while, but uh, I've been doing this uh, full time for about uh, two years now. Good deal. There's actually a pretty long history to this game. Okay, well that actually goes into um, a question a little bit later, but let's go ahead and ask it now. How long has King Voxel been in development? Uh, I don't know if I want to admit this, but uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. We're all it's friends been, here. Uh, Nobody's listening. We're good. <laughs> Five years, you said? <laughs> yeah, like, like initially I wasn't even sure if I was going to go ahead and, and make this game because I knew it was uh, a pretty ambitious project and you're always supposed to start small. Mm -hmm. uh, not that this is my first game, but this was like a significant jump over games that I've previously done. So initially I was just kind of tinkering around with um, the voxel engine and, and sculptor and all this sort of thing. And I was actually thinking about making something kind of like uh, Minecraft initially, but then I... Uh, change direction and decide to make a game instead. Awesome. <laughs> I, like, I like that. Hey, maybe, maybe I started I, maybe out as Minecraft and then I wanted to go towards a game. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe I should have made Minecraft instead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know what, man? I'll tell you, looking at some of these pictures, it looks pretty freaking cool. Like, I can see uh -huh. the Minecraft in there, but, man, yep. you, I think you made something pretty neat. Thank you very much. Uh, so how did, how did you get into gaming? Uh, Philip, you know, what was your first gaming experience? What what kind of brought you into this wonderful land of video gamedom? 
Well, I, uh, the earliest memory of video games I have is going into an arcade, and I think it was Space Panic. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know what the heck that was. Was that like very early 80s? <laughs> and I don't know, something magical happened, and that was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And ever since then, uh, video games has been basically my favorite uh, pastime. Not my only pastime, mind you, but uh, my favorite. All right. Good deal. All right. And um, how did you get into... Oh, and, and, uh, oh sorry. Let me... Uh, and then we got uh, Coleco uh, Gemini, which is an Atari 2600 clone. Mm-hmm. And I loved, bunch, loved the games on there. And my favorite one was uh, Adventure. So that was kind of like uh, Zelda before there was Zelda. Mm-hmm. So I don't oh. know. How, how old are you guys? Um, I'm I'm only 24, so I'm I'm a baby. I'm 30. I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging in there. Yeah, well, I'm I'm uh, 38 myself. So all right, so you know this is good. You've been around there. Yeah. Um. So, uh, how did you get into video game development, though? You said that uh, King Vox has been in the works for about five years. Uh, how did when did you get into actually developing games, and how long have you been doing that? Whether um, as a side project or full time, you know. Yeah, like I always wonder how people perceive games. Like for me, when I was playing video games, uh, you know, I enjoyed the game itself, but I was also very curious about how everything was done. Like mm-hmm. I was always very curious what was going on behind the scenes, and uh, I never lost that curiosity. And then, you know, when I was going through high school, you know, I just loved math and computers because then I was saying, "Aha! This is how all this stuff works, right?" So, I, you know, my other the other students. They're all bored, and just but uh, <laughs> I just couldn't get enough. And then I started tinkering around with coding and stuff in high school, and I made my first game then, so around uh, '93. Actually, the uh, Indiegogo pitch video—you see that uh, character in the background, mm-hmm. right? I—I uh, I made that character for a game, my first game actually, in high school back in '93. So that thing's uh, 20 years old now. Oh wow! Wow! Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is very cool. So the uh, the night picture on the um, splash for the uh, the video is that what you're talking about? Well, it's in the background. It's hanging on the wall behind me. It's uh, okay. It's I, basically... I thought you. Sorry, I thought you meant the uh, the still image for the the video. Oh the... no! It's that large red character with the blue mm-hmm. outfit and the yellow cape and the big eyes and horns and all that. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, that's crazy. Awesome. <laughs> that was very cool. Oh, uh, I also, um, yeah, I made like a bunch of smaller games, like, you know, memory game and, uh, you know, Tron light cycle game, like a pretty basic stuff. But uh, I also, uh, uh, well, I didn't finish the game. It was um, Ghosts and Goblins type of game, which I call Devils and Demons. And I got right. uh, pretty mm-hmm. far. I think still search for that on YouTube, and there's some videos if you're curious about that. So I had about one level working. And then uh, I was trying to get a job as a Game Boy programmer, and they wanted to pay me like twenty-five grand in their thing, a year. And they're saying like, you know, your work, uh, we're not going to really pay you, and you get the glory. So you know, people want to work here for free. So you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that should immediately have told you that that was that they were full of uh, full of crap there. <laughs> yeah, and, and it did. And so I was kind of kind of uh, PO'd. And so I just, you know, got like a, a real job, I think, for, for a while. <laughs> now I'm taking another crack at games. Awesome. 
Hey, but you're doing your thing. I mean, you know, that's 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 fantastic, man. Thank you. So now that we're now that we're through the past, let's dive into the present here. What what is King yep. Voxel? Okay, uh, King Voxel. I describe it as a Zelda-like roguelike. So um, Zelda-like, it's like Zelda One. Mm-hmm. You know, exploring swords, monsters, treasure, that kind of stuff. And uh, roguelike, uh, so those games have uh, randomly generated uh, dungeons and content and that sort of thing. So this uh, combines those two styles. So it's uh, the experience is very similar to Zelda 1, but of course, you know, it's in 3D voxel graphics. And uh, now you have this world generator. So uh, the original Zelda had two quests. So if you beat the game, then you could play it again. King Voxel uh-huh. has a thousand quests. Okay. That's a lot of quests. That's like, <laughs> like damn, all right. I, uh, you can play the game one time, and then you pretty much experienced it. So, you know, probably a lot of players will say, okay, I played King Voxel. Not ready for another game. But uh, I kind of designed the game as if I was, like, you know, locked in a tower, and this was the only game I had to play for eternity. So I, uh, I made maximum replayability. <laughs> Great. Um, you said that there was a, a world generator. Is that just for randomly placing items, or is that literally generating like the um, topography of the map that you're playing in each time? Yeah, it's uh, it's completely regenerating the overworld map. So okay. basically, I uh, a maze, and then I um, I have a large palette of screens, and I just kind of fill in randomly from there. So you have to supply a, a seed number. So I don't know if you guys, if everyone knows, all your listeners know what a seed number is, but uh, in computers, if you have a seed number, like let's say your seed is zero, then you'll get a sequence of random numbers and that are, that's always the same. So if you set the seed back to zero, you'll get the same random numbers. And then if you set it to one, you'll get a different set of random numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have to store this entire world that's generated. All I need is that number and then I can recreate the world uh, from that. Interesting. Cool. Okay, so I didn't I didn't fully answer your question. Oh, no, go for um, it. Man. So yeah, it creates the whole entire world randomly and uh, like the start position could be at the top of the map, the bottom, in a corner, in the middle. Uh, like it could be it's completely different. Um, and then the, the world's broken into zones. So you, you only have the items, the key item. Well, basically you have nothing at the start except your armor and sword. Um, but you can't get past uh, certain screens because there's, there's like water barriers. So you need to find you know, a plank, which is the key to get over the water. And then you can explore a larger area. And then you need uh, a raft to get into the next area. And then a big key to get into the next area. And that sort of thing. So the, the explorable world kind of grows as you find more treasures. And also I have a uh, see. Okay, I have these treasures are in random places, but um, there's controlled randomness. Like it's not it's not totally random. So I wouldn't want uh, the sword that you pretty much need to be like way later on in the game. So I make sure that that's accessible relatively early on so that the player is not screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there are some other items that aren't quite as important and like there's a, a ring for example which which really slowly heals you up uh that thing just appears completely randomly so it might be near the start it might be near the end depends on the quest okay you say quest 
like obviously you reference Zelda, and I mean even looking at the art with those little bouncy dudes, I mean it's very clear where kind of Zelda fits in your heart there. Um, you yep. say so you're like a thousand quests. Obviously Zelda's one big quest. Are we talking about like little broken up things that lead up to kind of a main narrative, or are they just little kind of side stories that get told? Or is it just based really just off of like the map seed that you grab? See, like um, this isn't a very story focused game, so I want to actually want to make sure players know that going in. This the focus of this game is on gameplay, right? So exploration, okay. treasure hunting, combat. So um, you know, I could put all kinds of crazy stuff in there, like time travel. Then you have, you know, your twin brother appears and betrays you, and blah blah blah, <laughs> all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you're going to play this game multiple times, then you know, then what's the point of having all these story elements? If you just see the same story elements every time, right? So I basically just pretty much got rid of the story. It's just uh, rescue, rescue the queen. But uh, the focus is on the gameplay. Okay, neat, neat. So I mean, like all all these old school games, like Zelda's, you know, pretty much there's no more, no less story than the original Zelda or Super Mario, right? I mean. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. You had that was that was your one deal, and you had to go through all this stuff to to get to that end deal. So I'm completely there with you. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So you said a little earlier that uh, that King Voxel is not your first game. So what what was? Just taking a little back, a little a little back step. So just kind of see where we're uh, where this kind of germinated from. Uh, okay. I made was actually a hangman game with nice. uh, see like <laughs> I don't just like to okay. make a game that's a, a total clone of everything else with nothing else to add because otherwise what's the point of making it so I had my own twists in there I had like fancy uh, VGA graphics and uh, <laughs> well that character so the game was actually called uh, Bloody Blast Man and uh, there's all these different ways to die and it was around the time of Mortal Kombat so more blood is more good, so uh, you can get your head. <laughs> if, you, if you screw up the the hangman phrase or whatever, you get your head blown off, and then uh, there's these like, spouts of blood that come out and all that kind of stuff. So that was just good fun. <laughs> nice. More death man than it, hangman. I got you. Hang, okay. Hangman for it was hangman for teenagers of the, of the 90s. <laughs> fun. I'm 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 in. Where where can I find this game? <laughs> How can I subscribe to your newsletter? Uh, <laughs> even I don't know where to find that game anymore. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I really kind of want to play that. If you find it, it should be a uh, a reward for, for backing um, <laughs> King Boxel. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so... Now, now we're coming back back to voxels. We're looking at this dude. I see King Voxel. Obviously, I mean, you know, as you said, you're going for the straight kind of. It's it's point A, point B, but there's all this other like point A, point one, A, point two, A, point three that we have to get to get to point B. Um, what what do you think this is adding to the? kind of almost kind of the Zelda mythos. What do you think this is? What are, what am I going to get out of playing King Voxel that I'm not going to get out of just like, say loading up a, like a, 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 just a copy of Zelda and finding it there. Is it, what, what, what am I grabbing from this? 
Well, um, I would call this a reimagined Zelda. Okay. So actually, let me, I made a couple notes here. Let me uh, see what I said here about Zelda. So even though Zelda is like one of my all-time favorite games, I, I just love it. I uh, there are a few things that I think uh, could have been better designed. Like you know, this was a pretty much the first or one of the earliest games of this type. So the fact that it's as good as it was is pretty amazing. But uh, looking back, I'd say there's a few things that could have used improvement. Uh, okay, let's see here. Okay, there's some frustrations with the game like you can get completely lost and have absolutely no idea where to go next yes. so that's that's true not good money my father um, spent on the nintendo tip line uh, that all off. and then uh, the whole there's these bushes that you can burn and then there's a, a staircase that goes to a you know a hidden item or whatever now, uh, there's no indication that uh, a certain tree is uh, can be burned, and uh, you can only use the flame once per screen unless you get the upgrade later on. So you can spend like literally hours and hours just trying to burn, you know, unmarked uh, trees, and that's uh, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> and an- another biggie for me is that uh, you can beat a dungeon without finding the treasure. So you beat the uh, the dungeon, and then you know you get your your heart container, you get your triforce piece, and then you leave. You're like, okay, done, next. But uh, there's no indication whatsoever that you miss uh, a key item that you need to beat the game in that dungeon. So then you know, like uh, the modern gamer <laughs> with uh, you know shorter attention span and much more gameplay options is uh, probably going to get stuck on that sort of thing. See, maybe in the old days when uh, you know, we paid, I don't know, whatever, 50, 60 bucks for these games, and that was it. It had to last you for, like, half a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was good because then you, you know, <laughs> play the game forever until you eventually figure it all out. But uh, nowadays, I don't think uh, that's uh, that really cuts it anymore. You're just shattering the nostalgia of Zelda right here. There's, <laughs> I'm, yeah. you're, you're listing you know, all this I stuff did... off, and I'm going, you know what? Yeah, that did suck. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny. I just I just watched a YouTube video of some guy reviewing Zelda, and all he did was point out the negative points and like the game. He made the game seem like it was the worst, like ET or something on the on Atari. It's like the worst game ever made. <laughs> but no, I, I I do think Zelda is an amazing game, and at the time I had uh, no problems with it at all. But uh, looking back, I think that there's some things that could be uh, improved for the the modern uh, gaming landscape. So uh, some of the things that I that I improved there. For example, if there's a, a castle, like I have castles instead of dungeons in my game. Okay. Now, you you first of all need to get the key item to either get the boss, to the boss, or to beat the boss, right? Okay. But I don't want the game to be entirely predictable. Like, I don't want every dungeon to be key item, boss, key item, boss. So I have secondary and sometimes a third treasure item that's just hidden in some random screen. So, like, I want surprises and unexpected things happening so the player doesn't get bored if he's playing multiple quests. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that, that creates the same problem that uh, now you can... There's items that you should have. Like, they're not essential to beat the game, but uh, they're definitely nice to have. So uh, it's possible now that you could uh, miss those items. So my solution to that is that I have an indicator. Um, when you go to the, the castle screen, so you're looking at the castle from the outside... Uh, if you 
if there's an item of interest still inside the castle, the door flashes between red and black. But if all the key items, all the important stuff is cleared out of there, then the door is, is solid black. So uh, you, can, you can tell at a glance. And that's I also did that for, um, you know, staircases and, and caves and stuff. So, uh, you know, if you're exploring over this world, and let's say you didn't play the game for a week or, or you're totally lost and you keep going to the same screens over and over. Um, so you don't remember if you've been in a, in a certain cave or not. So what I do is I use that same technique. So if, if there's nothing of interest in the cave, then it's totally black. But if there's still something in there, then uh, it flashes. Cool. So just okay. a little something to make it a little more user-friendly for the player. Yeah, definitely. That's... That sounds like a really good yeah. idea. Let's see what else I, I got here. I just I just wrote up a bunch of random points that I wanted to talk about King Boss, so I might as well just uh, cover those now. Sure. So, uh, like some of some of these um, items have been uh, were in the original Zelda, so it's not like I invented this, but some of them are, are <laughs> unique. But uh, like it's a large world that you're exploring, and sometimes like let's say you walk into a dead end, and then there's, oh, there's nothing there, but you want to get back to where you were before, and you don't want to backtrack. So, like, Zelda had the, the whirlwind. You blow the flute and the whirlwind pulls you away. Mm-hmm. So I've got a, a horn, and then this, this budgie comes and carries you away. Now, uh, <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We, we, had a, we had a pet budgie uh, through the 90s, so I was, that was my gaming buddy. I'd always be playing my games, and he'd be, like, you know, pecking on my ear and doing whatever. So I uh, actually, uh, his picture is in the uh, art museum, which I'll talk about later. I don't know if you saw that. But anyway. So it's my game. I can put a budgie in there if I want. Absolutely. <laughs> and also, uh, budgie away. <laughs> when you beat the boss, yeah, when you beat the boss, it uh, opens a warp gate between the the boss screen and the um, uh, dungeon entrance. So they they did that in that 3D dot game heroes game as well. So that, that I didn't invent that one. And then at the very start of the game, there's a warp nexus. So, like, you don't have to hunt around for this thing. Basically, it's just in the very next screen. And there's four warp gates that warp you to the uh, the different zones. So if you've already seen the other end of the warp gate, then the warp gate becomes active, right? So that's okay. Uh, convenience there. Uh, and I've got a, a, a map, which is nothing <laughs> nothing too exciting. But, uh, I've got map. a... Wait, so I can see where I am? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the overworld map for uh, the first Zelda was uh, pretty rough. I mean, it's just a big rectangle, and there's no didn't indicate any walls or items or anything. So, like, I've got mine shows all the walls, all the different zones you're in, and you know where the castles are and stuff like that. And so uh, also, I, <laughs> I indicate right on the map if there's a castle that you haven't beat yet. So, like, wow. if you haven't haven't played the game for a month and then you turn it on, and like, where am I supposed to go now? Um, you'll you can see right on the map. Okay, here's here's this castle that I haven't uh, that I haven't finished yet. So you can go there next. Um, and I also have this is a pretty late feature that I added a fortune teller because when I was uh, playing around with you know a, I guess an alpha version of the game, uh, I was getting lost right. So and I'm you know this is my game and if I'm getting lost and don't know where to go and I'm getting kind of you know pissed off or whatever, <laughs> that's. Uh, that's not a good sign that the players are probably going to have the same problem too. So I created this fortune teller. So um, you you know you pay her some money, and then she'll uh, she can uh, look at your inventory, and from that tell which uh, of the uncovered treasures are accessible. Mm-hmm. 
And so then she'll indicate one of the next available, uh, next accessible treasures on your map. And also, uh, I, as I said, I didn't really like where you have to burn every single tree in Zelda. So in this game, any tree that you can burn is indicated, like it's darker. But I didn't want to make it completely obvious, right? So I still want to have some surprise. So I have, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the word now, decoy, decoy trees. So uh, there's other trees that are dark as well, but uh, they, there's no secret behind them. So just if you, if you strike them, then they'll turn the normal color, but you won't get a secret. Hmm. And this is all saved in the uh, save game state, so you don't have to check every tree every time you go on the screen. You just check it once per quest, and then you're done with it. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. And also, yeah. And also in Zelda, there are uh, walls or doorways that you could bomb, but there's absolutely no indication or hints whatsoever that you could do that. So uh, in mine, I have, uh, you know, it's clearly indicated that you can bomb the door there. So you just, it's just a matter of having the bomb when you get there. And also, to make the exploration easier, I uh, came up with what I call the Eagle Eye. So uh, this is an item that if you use it, uh, the camera zooms far out. And instead of seeing one screen, you see nine screens. So you, you've probably seen that in the uh, the King Voxel trailer. Mm -hmm. So that you see a lot of the, uh, the neighboring area. Uh, let's see. Let's see yeah, uh, quick question before you continue. Uh, you said that yes. it was a roguelike, um, but you're also talking about, you know, coming back to your save, um, you know, uh, after a month or, or whatnot. And so ha that that's kind of confusing me a little bit. So does it procedurally, you know, randomly generate the world every time, but your actual progress through the world is saved? Is that is that how it works? Or Yeah, that, that's correct. Okay. Um, so the, the actual, your, you know, the items that you're gathering and stuff like that are persistent through each time, but it's the, you know, layout of the world and the placement of items that's changing. Is that, am I understanding that right? Um, sorry, maybe I didn't understand you <laughs> correctly. Uh, okay. So if you start a quest, so you choose quest number, let's say 120, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, then you, you save that. So that, that seed number 120 is part of your save game file. So okay. when you go and load that game again, you it, it loads up that seed number, and from that generates the quest that you're playing. And then it uh, has the rest of the data that's, that it's stored uh, to record which trees you've uh, you know uncovered and which items you have and all that sort of thing. Okay. Which screens you've been to. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Oh, just, yes. Just want to make clear because I think some people might get confused when I say roguelike. Mm -hmm. uh, by ro by that I mean that the world is generated, right? Because uh, in all of these roguelikes, the combat's kind of strange. Like the monsters only move when you do, but that is that is not the case with King Voxel. King Voxel, the combat's like Zelda, where the monsters are doing your thing and they they interact with you, but uh, they don't stop when you stop. Okay, and um, also when you die, it's not the end of your save like in some roguelites is that would that be correct right yeah so the only i guess maybe i shouldn't call it a roguelike at all but <laughs> the only thing i borrowed <laughs> it's too late the, the it's, aspect, it's in there <laughs> yeah the only aspect i borrowed from roguelikes is the the world generation thing gotcha okay cool but we got that cleared up <laughs> 
see here. Oh yeah, so I'll just tell you a bit about some of the combat. So um, like I like the monsters for the most part are the usual suspects. Like there's a wizard, a knight, skeleton, blob. Uh, I, I do have a boss called uh, Puckface uh, with a with a P. Just, uh, <laughs> um, so I'll just describe some of the combat. So uh, I was playing one of the later dungeons, and uh, it was kind of neat because I had these Medusa heads. They they uh, can't hurt you physically at all, but they can shoot the scary face projectile at you, which uh, if you see it, it freezes you. So what you can do is you can turn your back on it, and then if it hits you in the back or the side, then it just disappears. Um, but then there's also wizards that you you block uh, with your shield. You block their magic projectile with your shield. So I was playing in this one dungeon, and there were there were knights, there were wizards, and there were these Medusa heads. So I was basically like dancing because I kept having to turn my back and then turn around to block the magic projectile. And then uh, I had to decide which which uh, magic item I wanted to use. Did I want to use the flame one? The flame one can hurt the uh, knights um, if you hit them from, if you, as long as you don't hit their shield. Uh, and it can also hurt the uh, wizards. But when I use the flame one, I move the shield away vulnerable, right? So from like the real one. But uh, if I use the um, Merlin's glasses, I call them, I can have my shield out in front of me and then I can shoot. So I'm not, I can attack the wizards without being vulnerable to their attacks. But then uh, those those uh, lasers, I guess, that come out of the glasses uh, deflect off of the knights. So you have to make decisions which item do you want to use. And yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. Awesome. I just want you to know That's that no matter a... what happens from here on out, you have me with laser glasses. As a glasses <laughs> wearer myself, there's been nothing yeah, more I that can... I've ever wanted than laser glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, maybe they can add that to uh, Google Glass. Right. Those things, eh? Oh man. <laughs> they, yeah, they gotta they gotta add lasers to those. Okay, we we're, just get we're sharks to start wearing them, and then we're done. And it's <laughs> <laughs> with their laser beams. Yes. Sorry. Anyway, continue. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. Completely derailed that. Okay, I've, I've got something that I wanted to uh, discuss with me. Uh, if you guys don't have a question right now, I'll, I'll might as well get into this now. So. Um, a lot of people that have seen, uh, you know, my my trailers and and my Indiegogo pitch and all that kind of stuff and screenshots and everything, uh, they take one look at it and they say, "Hey, this is 3D Game Heroes, except 3D Game Heroes looks better or it is better or whatever <laughs> kind of thing." So I just wanted to uh, address that. So, um, so I'll, how about I'll just say what I think about 3D Game Heroes? Sure. Uh, this game actually came out like in the early days when I was uh, working on King Voxel. So I was working on King Voxel before uh, 3D Game Heroes came out. So I'm not I'm not ripping off their Zelda ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so uh, I I quite enjoyed the game. It had awesome graphics, uh, music. It looked old school. Uh, the the effects were kind of interesting, and the overworld was large and varied, and had all this interesting uh, stuff in each area. Um, okay, so that's the good part, in my opinion, of that game. But now there's I had like quite a list of things that irritated me about that game. Unfortunately, like I, you know, I really wanted to like, you know, I did like the game, but I wanted to be completely blown away by it, and I wanted it to be my new favorite game for all time. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, that uh, wasn't the case, and the reason is because. 
once again, it had that problem where you can get completely lost. And also, you can beat a dungeon without getting the treasure item. So that's that's uh, not so good. Uh, where have you heard that before? And you have to talk to some sage before you can enter the dungeon, which I thought was just completely retarded. Because then you're basically searching the whole world for some wise man. You talk to him and says, okay, now you can go into the dungeon. And, uh, go for it. Like, this is, this is... And that uh, long, uh, ridiculously long sword, like it, it looked kind of funny in screenshots and YouTube videos and all that stuff, but like when you're charging, this thing is sticking out way in front of you and then it crashes into a wall and, and oh man, <laughs> just uh, a, few, a few design decisions I didn't like. And now I, I'm going from memory here, but I was pretty sure that, it, that I got this fire one, which didn't hurt enemies. Like it, you could only use it to burn trees or something. And I was like, wow, this... Uh... <laughs> This is not cool. And also, um, there's all kinds of useless items you have to collect, uh, which is common in a lot of games. So I'm not just picking on this one specifically. But for like for King Vox, I wanted to get rid of all that, all the crap, all the you know, you know, the half-hour tutorials, the, the limit breaks, and you know, over-the-top stuff. I just wanted you know gameplay. <laughs> so anyways, let me continue with the list here. Um, you have to press a button to block with the shield. And every time you see wizards, you have to, you know, set up your re reflect magic, and it was just kind of annoying. So like, I just want to go into a room, see the monsters, and then you know adjust my attack based on that. I don't want to have to, you know, go to the menu and then select some kind of magic every time. It just, just it just wasn't fun. And then, uh, you know, combating these uh, knight characters was very frustrating. They'd always block my sword, and I just never really figured out how to deal with them. Like, they sort of kill them, but it just Again, it wasn't fun. Like it felt kind of, kind of rough. Mm -hmm. um, and now a lot of people like the uh, the water effect and, and all that, all the uh, interesting graphical effects that they had there. But I thought it gave the game kind of an inconsistent graphical style. So you have everything's all you know voxely and eight bit looking, but then you have this. Well, it's not realistic water, but it's it just looks so different from the rest of the graphics. And the the sky, like the clouds, they do look realistic. So I don't know, I, I just thought that was kind of weird. That, that didn't appeal to me. And, uh, oh yes, it uh, has fixed camera angles. So there's like four different uh, camera positions you can set. And that and that's it. Like there's all, all kinds of cool stuff in the game. Like all these statues and castles and, uh, you know, waterfalls and monsters and all this stuff. And I wanted to, uh, you know, really get a close-up view of the, all this kind of stuff. Especially since I was, you know, making my own voxel models, right? So I wanted to examine the stuff up close, but uh, you couldn't do that. So uh, that was uh, something that I had to have in King Voxel. I have uh, third. The game's mostly third-person per camera, but I also have uh, first-person camera as well, which is I don't recommend playing the game that way. It is possible to play it that way, but you'll probably get killed. But the the reason why I put that in is just so. <laughs> You look Don't at use it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is I'll, here, I but I don't you. recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, yeah. So, what's it there for? So, see what it would look like to be inside of like an eight-bit uh, Nintendo game or something like that. So that's now with this camera, you can do that. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's kind of just—it's the experience of it, just being there. It's not really. Not, not really like super gameplay focused. Like I'm not aiming the fire wand with this yeah. or anything. Okay. Yeah, like I could probably cut it out completely, and, and most people wouldn't even know or care. But uh, it's something. Can I 
can I shoot the laser glasses from the first person view? Yes, you can. Yes. And does it done. just fill the screen with lasers since you're actually looking through the eyes, through well, the glasses that fire the lasers? <laughs> Your, your viewpoint is actually the middle of your head, so the camera's actually right in the center of your head, okay. and then the lasers come to your eyes. So I uh, I uh, didn't implement stereo. Maybe if I implemented the stereoscopic uh, 3D, the lasers would be all screwed up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, a couple more things here. So uh, I also didn't like the arrows in 3D Gamer. They'd shoot in an arc, so they keep shooting over top of the monsters. Okay. And while that's more realistic, it's not more fun. Uh, all right yeah your realism in a game filled with voxels is kind of a a moot point Uh, (laughs) yeah Uh, and i think you guys had a question uh weren't you guys gonna ask me what a voxel is yes i was that 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 (laughs) initially came from me because I, I consider me layperson when it comes to this program and stuff. And people say voxel, and it looks like a cool little block, but I'm not quite sure what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's actually the next uh, question. So, you know, what what is a voxel? Okay. Um, the short answer is it's a, it's a block. Um, let's see. Okay, so everyone knows what a pixel is. A pixel stands for picture element. And voxel stands for volume element. Okay. Um, now, a lot of people ask me, they say, is this real voxels or are you faking it with like geometry? I didn't, I didn't really quite understand what they were asking me, but uh, there's, there's quite a lot of different ways to render or, or draw voxels. So, uh, okay, have, have you guys played Voxatron? Yes, I have, anyway. I've seen it. Okay. Okay, so I think that's sort of the uh, the true voxels, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So I think that whole entire, like every frame, like the whole screen, is basically a big, gi- a big giant 3D array, right? A big grid. And I think that uh, the way they're visualizing that is with ray uh, intersection tests. So they would shoot a ray of light into the this grid, and then wherever it hits something, then they could say, okay, I, I hit something, uh, you know, which surface is it, uh, what color is it, that sort of thing. Um, now, the way that, that King Voxel works, and also 3D.Game Heroes, and I, I think Minecraft as well, uh, we don't do it that way. We, we turn it into geometry, so we're, like, just rendering triangles like a, a traditional 3D game. Um, let's see. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how complicated I want to get here, but um, maybe I'll, I think I'll save some of this for another your next question. Um, okay, so there's some pros and cons to the different ways of rendering these things. Like a, with the Voxatron, uh, the con is that um, Every object, every voxel has to be grid aligned because it's it's just placed in this grid. Mm-hmm. So, like if you if you see one of the monsters turning around, it's like ninety degree angle turns, right? There's no there's no smooth turns or anything like that. But uh, the way I did it, um, it's rendered as like a, a traditional three D object, so I can you know have any object I want at any orientation. 
so I can have objects turning smoothly and that sort of thing. Okay. So, as far as so the, the voxels really, I mean, when it comes down to it, you're speaking more. It, it it's in the name itself. You're speaking more volume. You're speaking more like uh, like three dimensional space, almost weight to it than it's simply being uh, a representation of what's there. Or am I completely off base? Uh, I start shooting lasers from my eyes again. <laughs> <laughs> just went well, out, bring up the uh, laser down, glasses. Just go, I'm just bringing up the laser glasses. <laughs> well, I think it's basically just a 3D block. So let's just, okay. uh, let's just go with that definition. Done. I, so, I don't know what Wikipedia says. I haven't... Uh, I, I'm haven't sure they go before. very in-depth and way over my head it's on, a on a ladder built of 3d blocks so it's <laughs> uh so essentially I, I guess um how king voxel is working with the term voxels anyway is that you know it kind of has the art aesthetic of a 8-bit or 16-bit game where you can see the in those particular instances pixels but it's fully 3d is that kind of what we're dealing with here is that a, a good summation maybe i i think so okay um i think i think everyone in the world may be confused about voxels uh so okay let's try this it's it's basically legos all right so, so now you're you speaking about language there we go. now we're there okay legos. Legos. <laughs> all right there we go voxels are legos that's voxels the... are legos all right there's a nice layman definition. Done. So so instead of just drawing it on the screen and having it be 2D, we're dealing with Legos. All right. Uh, I yeah, think and then of course I can have like a, <laughs> I can have a moving camera, so I, it's a fully 3D object, right? So I can mm -hmm. look at these objects from you know any angle, kind of thing. So now, are these actually built up together like a Lego, or would it be like something is made just with the shell of Legos? So if you kill an enemy, is it going to break into all of its Lego pieces? Uh, no. Okay. Um, that, that, that was a neat graphical trick that they did in, in uh, Dark Game Heroes, but uh, in mine, they just turn into a little, a little flash. Okay. And then uh, disappear. All right. Awesome. Um, so a lot of games, uh, specifically indie games, are, you know, adopting the 8-bit, 16-bit uh, kind of artistic style of the early 90s. Uh, not very many are really going with this kind of 3D voxel style. So, so why go? Why make a 3D um, you know game inspired by Zelda? Why not make it 2D or why not make it 3D like a lot of other games are 3D with you know smooth edges and and whatnot? Well, um, the few reasons uh first of all i i really like the the look myself uh, and i'm hoping that uh, a lot of other people do as well and it like people like fez and they like uh, voxatron and and 3 dot game heroes so uh, i think there is an audience out there for that style of game mm -hmm. and also because i had well and i want to be you know a little different from the pack i don't, don't want to just you know if i make a game and there's another game that's better in every single way, then there's really not much point. Um, and also, I've got a lot of uh, experience with uh, voxels. That was um, 
one of the one of my projects at uh, university was uh, a, a Lego sculptor. Um, let's see. So I guess we've kind of already talked about our next question was going to be how is working with voxels different than other 3D modeling? But I think we've kind of covered that. It's Legos, it's, dude. It's not really. It's Legos. It's, it just looks like Legos. So actually, I'd, I'd like to add something to that. Uh, okay. Another thing is that um, this this game, like initially, I want to make a, a 3D Zelda game, and uh, it had to be made basically only by me. Mm-hmm. So uh, voxels is something that I that I could do by myself. Like I could make all the graphics for a game without having to, uh, uh, you know, learn all these crazy new skills and go back to school and all this kind of stuff. That sounds like a very oh, good cool. reason. <laughs> that, that, that's breaking it down. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Now let's let's see here. Um, I've, I've you know you you're making this game. You created the engine that everything's built on. Um, What's what are some of the challenges that you've run into, as well as some of the benefits of working on something that's completely yours? Well, by the way, did you catch the name of my engine, the uh, Block to Rock engine? I did. I wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, a nod to uh, Octorox from the original Zelda, the little octopus things at the start of the game. Man, that was uh, okay, First thing you ever so. Ran into. Outside of that dude with the sword. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, for this game, I'll tell you, I uh, really underestimated the amount of work that was involved in this. Um, actually, that was one of the reasons why I chose this uh, voxel project at university, because uh, I thought that was something that was, you know, more easier <laughs> than the other <laughs> options available, right? And and it wasn't it wasn't too bad then, but... Um, you know, now it has to be polished enough that it's a game that I can sell to people and, you know, compete with all these other indie games, right? So it has to be really polished. So uh, actually, most of the time on this project was just on developing the uh, the graphics engine. So there's uh, two main things. It has to be uh, fast uh, and it has to be, um, it has to look good. So you can't have all these artifacts. So an artifact is a uh, a rendering or drawing glitch. So if you're trying to draw graphics and there's all these little pixels that are the wrong color, those are called artifacts. I got you. Okay. So, so obviously it's got, I, it's got to look fast and it's got to look clean. Right. And I, I uh, basically rewrote the rendering engine like many times. And um, like I wasn't a very experienced 3D programmer at the start of this project. So uh, that was pretty difficult for me. I, I didn't know what pixel shaders were or uh, any of that sort of thing. So I don't know if most of your listeners know what that is, but <laughs> I don't know if I want to get into that now. <laughs> so uh, who, like, who are your listeners? Are they gamers? Or are they like, uh, you know, hardcore programmer types or what? Everything, I guess. Um, Hopefully everything. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know who all listens to this, so we, we try to cover as wide a spectrum as possible um, and be as entertaining as possible. So, that... <laughs> okay, well, so okay, I mean, if, if, you I want, try to... if you want to get into some yeah, technicalities, I can, I can... I'm sure 
Uh, some people will love it. I know I'm interested in finding out more about some of this stuff. So that that's generally how I gear questions is what do I want to know about? And hopefully other people will find it interesting. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's, let's see if I can uh, explain this. Um, so in the early days of King Voxel, uh, I was rendering, uh, by the way, <laughs> that was, um, I was drawing all the voxels uh, as triangles. So every visible face of a voxel was two triangles. Okay. There was, there was no texture or nothing. Um, but then uh, I'd have like millions and millions of these triangles. And that was, uh, that was just too much. So I switched to a different approach, um, which I called textured slices. So the way that works is uh, okay. So the, let's, Try to picture the top of the king's crown. So uh -huh. it's eight. Uh, it's eight blocks. So okay. So you know the the six on a dice. Okay. Right. So basically, you fill in an extra dot on the bottom and then the top. So you have you have uh, eight dots arranged in a square. Sure. Now instead of dots, those are those are squares, and that's that's the top of the king. Now. The way I initially I would have had like you know I don't know like thirty or fifty or whatever of these little tiny triangles to uh, represent that. But then when I what I did was I switched it to a uh, single textured slice, so it's two triangles, and then the texture is is uh, is basically like a, a bitmap, right? And that bitmap is the uh, graphic of the top of his crown. And then I have all these slices going from top to bottom. Bottom to top, front to back, back to front, uh, etc. So I have like a, a gigantic uh, texture map mm -hmm. with all of these slices in it, and uh, this uh, let me draw things considerably faster. Now, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to get into all the glitches because I mean I can. It's a, it's a <laughs> rabbit hole, eh? Yeah, when you do not need to go down. That's cool. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, if you've got one that if you got one that sticks out, I mean, feel free to share. But you know, you know, we don't need the whole laundry list of everything that you've had to yeah, work no, through. No. <laughs> there was, there was a, there's a lot of cursing. I pulled a lot of my hair, but uh, eventually I uh, it's like you're it's like you're trying to run through a brick wall sometimes. But eventually I I got through that, and now it's it's running pretty well. See, like so, I, I guess so. I really hope all this was worth it. Because um, I didn't put a lot of time into this, but the game does have a very unique look, which people uh, recognize instantly. Like a lot of people that, you know, I haven't used Game Maker or all these tools, but it, you know, I don't know if you can get this kind of graphical look from like if you're just using some off-the-shelf tools. Mm -hmm. Would that just just out of curiosity, would that disappoint you if you could, knowing that you put all the work into that? Would that kind of be like a shocker if uh, if somebody's like, oh man, you just could use this? Would you still like kind of have that well, like a good feeling about what you've done, or would you be like, man, I just wasted all this time? Well, yeah, kind of both. Like, I do have the, the feeling of uh, accomplishment that I, you know, overcame, you know, did all the problem solving that I needed, and, you know, kept at the problem until I, uh, I, I got it working, and I, I learned a lot from it too, right? So uh, mm -hmm. I do get all this transferable knowledge. So uh, definitely a lot of good things came out of that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. If I make a million bucks then on this game, <laughs> then I'll say it was all good. All, all's well that ends well. That's the threshold? That's the level we got to hit for it to be? All right, I, I was okay. 
I, if, if I, okay, how about this? If I end up homeless and then someone says you should have just used this thing for five bucks, this program you could use here, then then maybe I won't be in a very good mood. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so you, you kind of moving past the graphical stuff. Um, you started your stuff on, you started the campaign on Indiegogo. Um, yep. how's the experience been and, you know, why, why that over like something almost more mainstream like Kickstarter? Right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm in Ottawa and, uh, Ottawa, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, Kickstarter is for U.S. only. Oh, Unless... fantastic. Well, there you go. Never even realized that. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's there's another benefit to uh, uh, Indiegogo is that they have flexible funding. So in Kickstarter, it's basically all or nothing. If you say I want you know fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and if you're you know a hundred dollars short of that, you get nothing. So people yeah. pledge their money, and then you have to reach that target or you get nothing. Whereas in Indiegogo, uh, you they just Indiegogo just takes a bigger percentage if you don't reach your goal. Okay. So it's, but you still you still end up getting something uh, from it. That's right. pretty cool. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I get the money I need. So see the thing with uh, Indiegogo is that uh, some of these projects they go, well, you know what? I didn't make enough money to uh, go through with this project, but I did make enough money to go on a nice vacation. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> King uh, I shouldn't. I shouldn't talk about trip somewhere. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. I get that. Um, you know, uh, with the campaign, like, um, if somebody backs you outside of the game itself, what uh, you know, what what else can they get? What are what are they? What is a backer backing you? What are they What are they backing you for? Okay. Well, there's there's like the standard uh, things you get. Um, you get the game at the fifteen dollar level. Plus, I'll give you a thank you in in the game uh, credits. So that's that stuff's pretty standard. And then for uh-huh. an extra five dollars, uh, you get this soundtrack oh yeah i I didn't even talk about the music but uh i was really lucky to uh, meet uh music industry game industry veteran mike keel uh here in ottawa and uh he's doing the music for me so uh i gave you some of those tracks and he's great the music's awesome king voxel will have awesome music um yes and and the next we'll be able to hear it uh at the beginning and end of this podcast yeah and oh yes, you can all uh, plug his site. You can also go to his website to check out some of his other music. It's uh, Mike M I K E dash O K dot com. Okay. So M I K E that yeah okay. Um, okay, so <laughs> cool. the, Mikey okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, I have a very unique perk for this uh, for this game. I came up with the idea of having. Um, a art museum so people that give me fifty dollars that which is a significant contribution they uh, get the game and the soundtrack and they can also submit a photo of themselves or anything they want with a you know brief description like a you know their name or you know sunset mountain or whatever and then they'll uh i'll and resize it so it can be displayed in the voxel engine and then it'll appear in the museum so like I don't know, let's say, uh, you know, you lost your father in, in some war and you got his, you know, some thing that he gave you, some watch or whatever. 
the, the watch from Pulp Fiction. You know? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> See, the only way you can get away with that is if you just had a whole art art wall just d- dedicated to that story. Just <laughs> it's the retelling <laughs> <laughs> of Pulp Fiction in picture form. <laughs> you know, I... I I knew I was asking for it. I shouldn't have gone there, but let's suppose that you have that watch. Uh, you could uh, send a picture of that, and then that would be in the museum, and it would be part of this game forever. So, can you imagine if you go back in time and you could have uh, stick your picture, your face in some uh, hidden screen in uh, Zelda? Would you do that? I don't know. Well, some people might. Maybe. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> maybe you somebody know, maybe else's face. Somebody else. <laughs> John Carmack, you know, we, <laughs> more of his face. John Romero's head. Wait, that yeah, was already in a game. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this gives basically anyone anyone can buy their way into to having their face in the game. You don't have to make the game. You don't have to go and learn how to make a game yourself. You can just make me a nice little contribution, and then uh, I'll stick you in my game. Awesome. <laughs> so I've I've never seen this anything anyone do this before. So I have no idea how this is going to go. So this is a an experiment, and we'll we'll see. Now that 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 art museum is that like a you know is is that is that re- obviously it's rendered in game with the uh, the engine and stuff. Is that something that you, we're planning just to like be able to walk around with as King Voxel? Is it part of the world, or is it just like a little separate separate entity that's always there? Yeah, like it's it's. It's part of the game. Like, there's absolutely no reason to go into the, like you, okay, at the very start of the game. You start in front of your castle, uh-huh. and there's absolutely no reason to go, go in there. There's no treasure. There's no nothing. But uh, if you want, you can go walk around. Like, if you want to just take a break from killing stuff, you can go and and uh, see uh, these art museum uh, entries. Oh, okay. So it's actually that's going to be in your starting castle. That's what that that's going to yeah. make up. Okay, cool, awesome. Yeah, like you don't. Like I don't, I don't want people's game uh, pictures hidden like all throughout the game because like uh, some players probably will get, well, myself included, will get annoyed by that if he's like you know in like Mortal Kombat have little little humpsie and then the face <laughs> appears. <laughs> so it's all you. contained in one area. So if you want to see it, it's there. If you don't want to see it, just just uh, go somewhere else. <laughs> well, cool. Um, so your game recently uh, got up on Greenlight and is currently available for people to, to vote up. Um, and yep. I was looking at that uh, today, and it kind of got me thinking that, you know, generally and, and I guess previously, uh, there's been kind of a, a large divide between the developers of games and the gamers themselves. And uh, so with that divide, you can kind of make comments about games and not really be concerned about what impact those comments are having. Uh, But that's not so much the case anymore, Uh, especially with uh, things like Indiegogo and Kickstarter. uh, The the gap between uh, the developer and the gamer is is much, much closer together with a lot more interaction between the two. Uh, And I was reading some of those comments, and there are a lot of people that are really liking your game and think it looks really great. A lot of people are voting it up and stuff. Uh, But then there are... Obviously, going to people that don't like it because you can't please everybody, and the internet is the internet. Um, and just kind of looking at some of those, what is it like putting yourself out there with this game? I mean, this is you know your baby, your thing that you have unleashed upon the world for people to judge. That 
to me seems like it would be like mind-bogglingly and stress mind-bogglingly stressful that that's what i'm going for the pretzel in your head yes <laughs> <laughs> so what what is that like um how, how has the response been just kind of what has this experience been like uh being out on something like green light Okay. Uh, well, I'm not really stressed out about the comments. Like uh, I find them interesting and and sometimes quite funny. <laughs> the, the the nice well, like the some of the nasty comments I find kind of amusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what uh, does what does kind of scare me is the numbers, like the the percentage of upvotes. Mm-hmm. So like that has to be a certain level if I'm going to get accepted on onto Steam, and uh, see. Um, some of these games, like okay, I can see a graph of how my game's performing next to the top hundred games or top fifty or whatever it is. Okay. And uh, of course, your game's always going to look low compared to those unless you're actually a part of the top fifty, right? Which which I'm not. Um, so yeah, that's kind of stressful looking at that at that graph. But mm-hmm. uh, some of these games, they get more upvotes than my game has total views. So I. Uh, I think there's something fishy going on there. Like, I think that these guys are driving external traffic to their site. They're, like, saying, you know, go here and upvote my game. So, like, let's say, uh, and then people are going there specifically to upvote that game, I think, mm-hmm. right? So that's why they're, like, you know, some of these games just skyrocket. Like, let's say if Justin Bieber goes and makes some donkey game, like, game with some pink donkey, <laughs> we we blame Canada for him. You know that, right? He's <laughs> yeah, we don't own him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you, guys, you guys are supporting him. I'm not supporting him. No. <laughs> okay, I, I don't, I don't love or hate people one way or the other. But I'm just, I'm just saying that he's someone that's is a you know very famous public figure. So let's say he goes and makes some crap. The uh, pink donkey game, and then all he'd have to do is Twitter saying, "Hey, hey, girls, you're beautiful. Go and upload my game," and you know he'd be like the number one game on there, even though his game completely sucks. So, sure. <laughs> and I don't have that celebrity power. Like nobody knows who I am. So, uh, you, you know what? I, if you know people are listening to this podcast and they're like, "Oh, you know, I really hope this game is successful. I hope it gets it gets on there." You know, there's there's just things you can do to make it successful, which. I need you to do like I need people to go, go there. And, like I don't feel like <laughs> I don't feel like it's cheating for me to send people to go there to upload. Like I know if they legitimately like what I'm doing, you know, don't upload it. But if you do like it, you know, go there and some of your friends like it, get them to go and upload it too. Like I need that external traffic, and there's no way I'm going to get through that uh, greenlight process. Sure. So like I don't think it's just a matter of of. Uh, impartial judges kind of thing. So I think mm-hmm. there is biases and people sending their buddies there kind of thing. So I'll put my game. <laughs> I'll make my game. Do it. Yes, it is super easy. You can go to Steam and type in King Voxel or there will be a link to that page on the um, show notes of this podcast and people can very easily just go there and click yes. I would buy this if it came out on Steam. Uh, I've already done that, so you should do that too, dear listener. Uh, <laughs> um, so, well, my my next question was kind of more about the uh, the dissenters, uh, people kind of criticizing your game, but you said that 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 doesn't really bother you as kind of the the votes. Um, well, see, like I, I like uh, I, like I don't like a whole lot of BS, right? I mean, if someone says 
looks at my game and they say I hate the graphics or you know that that's fine like I you know I like constructive criticism mm-hmm. let's uh, let's say that so like I don't need to live in some kind of you know bubble where everything's all like, you know it's, it's all Sesame Street and everything's all nice and happy yeah like, uh, <laughs> you know I want to make the best game that I can make and you know I do need to listen to people because like you know sometimes people have better ideas than than I do so and things that I didn't think about. So uh, and and sometimes these ideas make it into the game, and it makes the game better. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I mean, if somebody's if, if somebody's there and they're like, you know, I don't like the way it looks. Obviously, there's nothing you're going to be able to do at this point to, to to win them over to your side. But if they come to you with you know with with something more constructive, I, I as the, you said, at that graph. point, it's like, hey, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're like Legos, man. Rename- Who doesn't like Legos? I'll put this. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Lego fans, get on there. Done. Just a little bit more on the green light thing. Like, what what level do you actually have to reach? Like, what what's what's the golden number for you? Oh, okay, yeah. Like, green light is is pretty scary. Okay, so um, like, I understand that it's important that they have an approval process to get mm-hmm. games on there. Like they, they have to have some quality control and uh, they were getting completely overwhelmed by the number of game entries. Like everyone's sending them a game. Like they have piles, like, you know, thousands of games that they have to approve or, or disapprove. So I think uh, Greenlight was a pretty good idea. But uh, at the same time, like I spent, you know, considerable amount of time on, on this game. And so I'd like to, you know, recoup some of that investment. Right? I mean, I could have just been working some anywhere basically. And then I'd be in a better financial position that I am now. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping to make some of that money back that I invested into this. Um, but now I have to get through this process. And right now there's like a thousand games in there. And in the last uh, uh, half a year to a year, I guess, more like half a year, they've approved, I think, 50 games got greenlit. So, you know, do the math, that's 5%. So if only the top 5% get through this process, that's pretty scary. Like I can, put it that way. That's really daunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at the the green light page right now, and they have currently greenlit only 42 games. Um, okay. That's that's not a lot. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, now uh, now I'm kind of scared too. <laughs> Not scared. This looks kind of cool. Upvote this. I've said it. It's going to happen now. You're good. So my, my overall to... impressions on my Pardon? my overall impressions on this whole uh, journey is the indie game developer is like it's uh, basically like uh, a space shuttle launch. Like everything has to be perfect. Uh, and then you have a chance of success, or if something's not perfect, then then you failed. Basically, is what it, what this experience has felt like. Would would, would you do it again? I hope I did. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, knowing what you know now, I, I, would would uh, five years back, would uh, would thirty three year old uh, uh, Philip, uh, you know, kind of dive into this like you did? I. Probably should have gone with like lighter games, like smaller, lighter games that take less time, and then I can. Like, like what I did was I I built the game that I wanted to play, right? 
and and you know it's not 100% finished yet but it's it's pretty close so you know that's that's pretty much what I did I built the game that I wanted to play but uh maybe from a financial you know businessy risk perspective it would have made more sense to make you know simpler type of games cool so obviously i mean you know king voxel's coming down on pc yep should that when that let me change that question when that happens does future king voxel look back and say i'm moving on to consoles now or are are you moving on to something else uh, no, like this, this was, this was, I just love this work. Hey, like this was, uh, uh, just a wonderful experience for me. It was very challenging. It was very fun. And, and now I, like I see, uh, you know, the interest that I'm generating, like, you know, I've had other office, you know, office programming jobs, like, uh, uh you seen the movie, um, office space. Yep. I've, I've <laughs> lived just in don't the movie get... office space. <laughs> <laughs> Like you, you just don't get that fulfillment of creating something that other people find interesting, right? Like I feel like uh, an artist here, like a, you know, I made a painting and and I'm watching people admiring it, kind of thing. So that's the uh, the feeling I get from this, which I didn't get at any of my other uh, jobs. So I, you know, it's, it's very addictive this this kind of feeling. And I just uh, love to keep doing this. And uh, see if this is successful, um, like I. I have that Lock to Rock engine, so I can, you know, make reimagine some more games from the old days. That'd be a lot easier than it was to do this, because I have to do everything from scratch for this for this project. Awesome. So, might King Voxel visit an Xbox or PlayStation near customers at some point in the future? If you know, once it's come out on PC, uh, would that be something you would want to do, or? Oh yes, I'd love to get this onto cons- uh, various consoles. It was designed around the uh, 360 controller from the ground up. Okay. So it plays plays very well with the controller. It's it's easy to move your character and, and to control the camera. Awesome. And I'd love to have it on a different platform. Now a lot of people ask me about uh, tablets and stuff, but um, see, I, I want to just make games you want to play, and if I'm playing. A game with, you know, King Voxel is fairly complex. Like it's not like, uh, well, it's a reasonably complex game. Complex controls. You can move your character. There's camera. There's different attack buttons. And all. what you're saying is you don't want to have a billion virtual buttons on your iPad. <laughs> yeah, I just I just think that these touch screens are terrible for you know traditional gaming experiences, right? Sure. So like it's great Angry Birds. It's great for Sudoku, but uh, for more complex games than that, I, I think it's just terrible. I would uh, I would tend to agree with that. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. The the ones that are built ground up for it. Uh, personally, I think Infinity Blade is like the best game on iPad, and I will pit that up against virtually anything else on there. I love that game. Uh, but we're not, we're not here to talk about that. Um, <laughs> so when might you said oh, that, that? That's good. That's good because all I'm playing on my iPad is Sudoku. So I'll check that out. <laughs> oh yeah, I would I would definitely Dumb. recommend um, Infinity Blade. Uh, if I were to describe it, I would say it is Diablo meets Punch Out. Essentially, you're this oh, night yeah. guy. 
that you don't control your movement, but there is loot that you can kind of pick up around the world in some different chests. But your guy is on a set path, and every now and then he comes up against an enemy, and then it basically turns into punch out. You've got some buttons to tap on the uh, side of the screen to dodge, and then the rest of the time you're just like fruit ninjing the uh, guy that you're attacking, and it can be quite entertaining. So, All right, there you go. Like Infinity Blade. Um, so, this portion of the podcast was sponsored by Epic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like that you used Fruit Ninja-ing as a verb. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so you said that uh, King Voxel is nearing completion. Uh, when might gamers expect to be able to get their hands on uh, King Voxel? Hmm. Ideally, I'd get it onto, but I have absolutely no idea how long that's going to go, and I, I probably can't count on it. So uh, I'll I'll probably go with the uh, Desura, okay. which is has unfortunately a, a much smaller user base, but uh, there's less uh, less hoops and hurdles to get to to get your mm-hmm. game on there. So I'm thinking probably in the in the fall. Okay. Awesome. Year. Very good. All right. Lightning round. These are not questions that you have seen before they're not Uh-oh. very complicated what, what? i i got this from like i was thinking today i was like man you know i want to just add a little something a little punch at the end and inside the actor's studio he always has these 10 question like this questionnaire that james lipton asks if you ever seen that or if you ever seen will farrell play james lipton it's fantastic but first question favorite protagonist any game who's your favorite good guy uh, Muriel. Okay. Favorite antagonist. Favorite bad guy. Hmm. Uh, Metroids. Okay. Question three. Favorite game world. I'm going to disqualify Ooh, King uh... Voxel because you created that world. <laughs> so other than King Voxel, what's your favorite game world? <laughs> the uh, StarCraft universe. Okay. Your least favorite game world. My least favorite. How about least favorite. Uh, if, you could, if, if, if this, if there was a gaming hell, where would that be located? Atari twenty six hundred ET. <laughs> oh, in the Nevada <laughs> desert. Check. <laughs> oh, Your man. favorite game sound. So sorry, sorry, Howard. I know you only had five weeks on that one, but. Yeah. <laughs> favorite game sound. Uh, how about the uh, secret revealed from Zelda? The completely, completely get behind that. The fact that you did the sound that counts for double points. <laughs> and finally, if if for some reason you could never make another game, what would you want to do? If I could never make another if game, you could what never would make I another do? game. If, if if something happened and we took your fingers and you couldn't peck at a keyboard with your nose. But you could still use your fingers like they were real for another job. What would you do? <laughs> uh, go back to uh, office space. Oh man. Okay. I didn't mean to rip your soul out like that. That was. I didn't want. I didn't want to end this on a downer. That was why it was the lightning round. But now I have. So I'm sorry. I'll ask that question first next time. <laughs> just, uh, just make sure you have your stapler. Don't yeah, let them exactly. take that from you. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, thank you, Philip, for being on with us. Really enjoyed our chat. Um, if our listeners are interested in finding out more about King Voxel, they can do that at many different places. Uh, they can do that at your website, lettercleckercom uh, they can also follow you on Twitter at King Voxel. Uh, they can find you on Facebook at King.Voxel. I believe that's what that says. There's a dot there, right? Yes, there's a dot there. It's not a um, dot, it's a voxel. It's, no, that would just be a pixel because it's not 3D. <laughs> it's not a Lego, man. Come on, hey, we hey, this. hey, we're selling this. It's a voxel. <laughs> um, they can also find your... Um, <laughs> They can find your campaign on Indiegogo.com slash projects slash king dash voxel. Uh, they can also find your game on uh, Steam Greenlight, which has a URL that is far too complicated for me to read off. Uh, the yeah, same yeah. for Mike OK, and all of these things will be in the show notes for people to easily click on and find and thumb up and back and do all kinds of cool things. Uh, so thank you again uh, for being on with us, and... As we head out, we will have some music from the game playing, and it will be the theme uh, for Lord, uh, what was, what's his name? Lord Helion? Lord Helion. Yeah, all those links, you can pretty much find them. Just uh, Google King Voxel, and you should you should find all that stuff. Okay. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. You guys are pretty funny. I uh, really enjoyed the show. <laughs> Thank you. Ladies well, and gentlemen, if you, if you take nothing else from this, upvote this game for laser glasses. <laughs> make it happen make my dreams a reality thank you uh, thanks guys no problem thank, thank you, thank you. Much, Philip, man you're awesome okay see you later see ya